episode 48 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. No last dance this week. Um, it just feels wrong. It was five weeks of the book club. Um, we are not, uh, we haven't, we were right episodes. We're done. Um, just want to say the reason I bring that up is not to uh, make this a downer start to the episode, but to say thank you again to everybody that reached out uh, and enjoyed and participated in the book club uh, that we did for five weeks. I wasn't sure how it was going to work. I've never done that before on a podcast, um, but I was excited. You guys seemed to enjoy it. You guys obviously love the documentary like I did. And we're able to, you know, during this tough time, you know, enjoy something. And I was with you right there as well. So I was happy to hear that, you know, pretty much for, you know, 99% of you guys enjoyed it. I think there was like one person that wrote back to me and was like, where's all the Nick stuff? And I was like, listen to the whole podcast. So (laughs) we still had a chance to get it in um, despite all the last dance talk. It's all Nick's and NBA talk uh, until we get another 10-part documentary on something. So... (laughs) We'll stick with that for now. Uh, we're going to get to another uh, draft segment in the second half of the show. You guys seem to enjoy that. Last week, we talked about Tyrese Halliburton, who, by the way, now all of a sudden, all these draft boards, uh, it's changed. Now the Knicks are not taking Kalanth, and now all of a sudden, everyone thinks they're taking Tyrese Halliburton. Um, is it because I talked about him last week? Uh, probably. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Coincidence? I think no, it was definitely a coincidence. I, it's just funny how that ha- how that kind of works out, and it was an interesting little uh, funny. It was it, it was funny for me to read that yesterday, preparing for the show. That uh, <laughs> all of a sudden the Knicks are going to take Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, we'll we'll get to a number of guys uh, later on in the show, but uh, I really want to uh, start off with the coaching search and see where we're at with that. And that's that's really the bigger the bigger deal here. And, you know, according to multiple sources, it's really three guys right now uh, that are going to be interviewed for the job. And to be honest with you, I'm I'm actually pretty happy with the three they've got right now, uh, to be honest. I, I, I you know, I, I don't always get too excited about, excuse me, these things because you never know what's going to happen. You never know how it's going to turn out who's the right fit, whose system works the best for the players on the roster, who's going to bring in better players for the positions that need to be addressed, and then obviously the Knicks, first and foremost, have to do well in the draft to continue to get young talent through the ranks. So who's the right man for the job? You know, Tom Thibodeau is a big, is probably the biggest name being interviewed out of the three, obviously. Um, Kenny Atkinson, former Nets head coach, is the second big name on this list. And the third name is Mike Miller, who has been the interim Knicks coach for a while now since David Fisdale got fired months ago now. It's been a while since that whole fiasco happened in the press conference in Chicago and and everything that's followed since then. Uh, Since then, it's been Mike Miller at the helm, basically. And he is going to get a shot to interview for the full-time head coaching job with the New York Knicks, which is pretty remarkable and just in the big picture, considering he was coaching the G League a year ago. So, listen, you know, again, I, I feel good for Mike Miller as a person. I think he, you know, he's worked hard to get here. There's no question about that. 
I feel like he's the third horse in this race. You know, I, I think if the Knicks can get one of those first two guys, I think they're going to be relatively happy with their decision. Now, if I had to, if I had to edge it, it's a difficult one for me as far as preference because, you know, and, and again, you know, Ian Begley uh, from SNY has been saying that, you know, uh, many people, you know, coaches, agents with an interest in the job think that, you know, Thibodeau has the inside track and, you know, he has a previous relationship uh, with Knicks president Leon Rose. Um, Begley's got the quote here, quote, Rose and Thibodeau have a strong relationship, but Rose also has strong relationships with several coaches due to his previous role as a top player agent at CAA and quote, I listen, relationships matter, relationships matter. But as far as what you want in a coach, you know, for the Nick fan, I, if it's between Thibodeau and Atkinson and they both want the job and it sounds like they're both, they're both very interested. I would, I would, what do you want? I guess, right? I mean, Tom Thibodeau is interesting because his experience out of the three is easily the best. It's not even close. He's got by far the most experience. He's made deeper playoff runs. He has coached stars in the NBA. He has the relationship with the Knicks president. So that that's all going for him. Kenny Atkinson, on the other hand, has something that Tom Thibodeau really doesn't have a good track record of, and that's developing young players. You know, Kenny Atkinson's a big reason the Nets were relevant for the last couple of seasons and got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Whether you think that's not going to work out or not, that's a big deal. And Kenny Atkinson's a big reason why that worked out. You know, guys like Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert, Jarrett Allen, uh, Joe Harris, you know, the list goes on. Guys that have, you know, some of the, I mean, honestly, a lot of the guys on that Nets roster were kind of given up on after their college careers, and they've turned out to be solid to above-average NBA players. And Kenny Atkinson's, de- Kenny Atkinson's development is a big reason why. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, that was what Fisdale was supposed to do. It's what Mike Miller's supposed to do. It's not happening. What makes you think Kenny Atkinson's going to do it? It's a small sample size, but he's done it with the Nets. He's gotten the Nets to be a playoff team for the last few seasons, and the players there are going to be cornerstones for the long haul. Whether or not that's going to lead to championships is very much up in the air because they the only way they're going to get there is if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving figure things out. But for right now, they're in a better, much better spot than the Knicks. And can Kenny Atkinson do that with the Knicks much like he did it with the Nets? I don't know. It's a, it's a big what if. Tom Thibodeau's track record is better, but you could argue that he had to really... I mean, the argument against Thibodeau is is twofold. He doesn't treat his players great physically as far as how many minutes they play a season, and he doesn't have any stars on this team. This team is not ready-made to win. Now, he had a young team in Chicago, but that was filled with stars in the end, and he built them up, and they became a really strong power in the East for about, I don't know, four seasons, arguably, with Derrick Rose and Joe Kim Noah and... Uh, and that group that was really strong for a while under Tom Thibodeau's tutelage. So it's it's a tough call. It's a tough call. I would feel better about Thibodeau for the short term. Long term, I kind of have Atkinson on my mind. Because, again, the Knicks are not going to win tomorrow. They need to develop the young talent 
Kenny Atkinson feels like the better the better choice to do that specifically. Because I'm thinking my 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 thought here is that this coach, this next Knicks coach, has to take the next step with this team, has to get them fighting for a playoff spot. That's gotta be the goal. By the time this next coach goes, or you know, stays for a while, this all works out, they've gotta be fighting for the playoffs consistently. That's gotta be the end that's gotta be the end game here. You know, there's no stars here. You know, Tom Thibodeau normally does better with stars on the roster. Now, I, it's tough. It's a tough one. I've gone back and forth on it. You know, again, short term, I would think, you know, Tom Thibodeau could light a fire under these guys. He could really get them going and they'll be playing hard every night and maybe getting better on the defensive end. But offensively, again, I worry about that because I don't really see a lot of talent offensively consistently on this team it's very scarce at times with this Knicks roster they're hoping to address that in the draft maybe in free agency who knows is Tom Thibodeau going to help with free agency he's going to maybe with his connections in the NBA could he help get guys to come Kenny Atkinson could possibly bring that same thing and he's better at developing the young talent it's I go back and forth on it I give the slight edge to Thibodeau because of his, his experience but Kenny Atkinson would be a great fit. I think that people shouldn't be sleeping on Kenny Atkinson as a possible as a possible choice here. And listen, you know, Mike Miller, I I give him credit for fighting out this season, for trying to get, you know, keep these guys on track and keep everybody on the same page. But the bottom line is the Knicks are not much further off where they were at the end of last season. They're they're just not. It's 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 very, we're getting, you know, that you know there were stretches where you thought man you know this team looks a lot better at times than what we saw with Fisdale and I can't deny that there's no there's no question about that but lately like going into the to the stoppage in the NBA season we were seeing very similar performances with a better roster to last year we we were poor defensively can't close games out Terrible in the third and fourth quarter on both ends of the floor. Silly mistakes. Not making free throws. Not looking for for help on the offensive end. You know, forcing things. Not not moving the ball on the perimeter. You know, you know isolation ball with Randall inside where he's got nowhere to go. And not enough guys, you know, stepping up. And it's going to happen with a roster like what the Knicks have. It's the NBA. But then who's going to take this roster and get it where it needs to be? And I look at Thibodeau first. I do. I look at Thibodeau first and then Atkinson. But I'm tempted by Atkinson big time because of the way he develops players or the way he has developed players in the recent seasons with the Knicks. I'm sorry, with the Nets, I should say. And what he could do with the Knicks if he got his hands on this roster. Now... Ian Begley goes on to, to mention a couple of things worth noting here. Tom Thibodeau is apparently in no rush to find his next NBA coaching job. I don't blame him. You know, I, I think the, the whole thing that happened with Minnesota and, and things like that, and there's a couple of uh, things that Thibodeau told ESPN that are worth mentioning. Quote, normally you would have some openings right now, and there aren't any openings, he told ESPN, so you don't have to speculate on what jobs could open. He, he goes on to say, 
that's what you have an agent for. He'll certainly at some point look if there's an opportunity, whether it'll be a good match or not. And then one more thing is where he really hammers home the point. I'm still under contract with Minnesota, so I feel like I'm in a position where I can be patient. Obviously, he's still getting some pay payments from them. The Minnesota situation is is probably the biggest knock on Thibodeau. That was a really good roster. It's a really good team on paper. And they just have never gotten to the playoffs with Thibodeau. And since then, since Thibodeau took over, you can argue that that roster has gotten worse. And obviously they traded Wiggins and they've been trying to rebuild again around Carl Anthony Towns. And people have questioned Carl Anthony Towns and, and all the, that's all another situation. Uh, the whole Jimmy Butler fiasco while he was there. Uh, now he's moved twice <laughs> since then to the Sixers. Had a meltdown there reportedly with teammates, and now he's with the Heat, and now he's they're, they're world beaters in the East uh, with a really good young roster around there. Obviously, Pat Riley and Eric Spolster continue to rebuild strong, or not really not rebuild, reload with a really good roster in Miami, and they're going to be a force if the playoffs ever get off the ground uh, in the NBA this season. So Thibodeau's got that against him. It's a knock against him. The knock against Kenny Atkinson, as far as coaching specifically, is in-game coaching in the really in the third and the fourth quarter. I mean, I've talked with a number of people, uh, not just fans of the Nets, but people that have been following the Nets uh, for a lot of this season, and that's the biggest knock, the biggest criticism of Kenny Atkinson is there are times late game management-wise where Kenny Atkinson does not meet the expectations of the team that he's now created. You know, you're looking for guys to step up down the stretch. There's been times in games that I've even watched specifically where I can see it, where, you know, there's big big possessions late in the game, and Atkinson either makes a weird substitution or the guys on the offensive end don't know where to go with the basketball. There's too many options almost, and no one's been, you know, no one's stepping up and, and trying to take a shot. It's on the coach, really. I mean, again, guys have to have confidence on the floor, but, you know, at some point, you know, you got to run a play for somebody. And these are the kind of things that have come up with Atkinson over the last season or so. Really, honestly, this season it's been magnified even more. And again, this was a team where we weren't sure what the expectations were because Kevin Durant wasn't going to be there. But the way he's handled Kyrie Irving, and again, Kyrie Irving, you could argue, at least based on reports, is tough to deal with. Um the, the team around Ky- Kyrie basically gave up on the rest of this team, which is crazy to think about, but they just have not been the force, even with Kyrie Irving, that we expected them to be. And what's tough with that, the, the, the reason I don't put it all on Atkinson is when you get Kyrie Irving and you don't have Kevin Durant on the floor yet, you're waiting for him to come back from an injury, the problem is, like we saw in Boston, is Kyrie Irving needs the ball. He is a modern-day, shorter Carmelo Anthony. He needs the ball in his hands to make an impact on the floor. That's the bottom line. And if he doesn't get the ball, he's going to get upset. And if he gets upset, it's not going to be good for the rest of the team. And that's what happened with the Nets this season. Then Kyrie got hurt, and then he's, you know, talking about, you know, well, I said the earth was flat. Now I was just joking. I was testing all of you, and you ran with it. Distraction written all over. He's just a distraction. So it's tough to put that all on Kenny Atkinson, but it's the NBA and the coach is the first to go. The good news is that the Knicks are not at that stage. They don't have a star. 
Kenny Atkinson, with when you look at the roster, makes sense because these guys are going to fight their bleep off to play for this guy. And they are going to know that, much like with Mike Miller and David Fisdale, although you were hoping that the development couples with this, you are going to have to earn every minute you're out on the floor. Now, we've heard that time and time again with Fisdale and Miller, and we're getting the same results. With Atkinson, this is coupled, hopefully, with the development of the young talent to push the guys on the roster. So you're getting the results, you're picking up wins, you're building momentum, and then who knows, the Knicks could be in a playoff hunt. That's the upside of a potential Kenny Atkinson hire. So... The big, the big long-term roadblock here is if the Knicks are playing games again this season, because if they are, which I, I mean, at this point, I could, I, I'd be shocked. I think if I saw that happen, because we're looking at what the NHL is doing. For those that have been living under a rock, um, the NHL looks to be scrapping the rest of the regular season. And to accommodate the teams that were in the playoff hunt, they're making a 24-team bracket-style, you know, uh, tournament where, you know, the teams that were in the mix to get in, they're, they're basically rounding up the teams that are in to 24 from 16 to account for teams that were fighting to get into the playoffs. The four, top four seeds in each conference get a bye, and the rest of the teams do a one-off to move on to the next round, and then I guess the series go on from there. So it's it's a, it's interesting. There's no question about that. It's intriguing. Could the NBA do something similar? I don't think so. Because you could say, well, in the West, there are a couple of teams that are still fighting for a playoff spot. In the East, it it's that, but the teams are not good. So it's it's that's a tough one. I don't think that the NBA should do that. I think you just go into the playoffs. 16 teams, if you missed out on the playoffs, you missed out. Standings stay the same, and you run it back in in Orlando or Vegas or whatever, and you play out the playoffs. I would argue you shorten the series. I think all series should have be a best of five. I think that would make a little bit more sense, but I certainly don't think you're going to be seeing the Knicks play again this season. I just don't think that those kind of teams are going to be suiting up again. I think, this, I think they're going to scrap the rest of the regular season, and then we will see what happens in the playoffs if they get that far. Which, I again, it looks like they could get there, but we'll have to see. There's a lot of hoops to jump through for Adam Silver and other leagues specifically to get there. There's a lot that has to be done to reach the playoffs uh, being you know being played. Obviously, uh, that would also include no fans being allowed in the arenas they decide to play in when the time comes. Quickly back to the Knicks before I finish this up. If there's no playoffs, you know, the next season ends. The bad part is you miss R.J. Barrett time on the floor. He loses some, some experience. Same with Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson, and, you know, the guards that you wanted to see maybe, you know, who could finish the season strong. Alfred Payton, you look at Frank Nilakina, maybe even Dennis Smith Jr., we don't really, you know, the seasons abruptly end for those guys. Now their futures are all very much up in the air, especially Dennis Smith Jr.'s. Who the hell knows what's going to happen to that kid? He could get traded. We've already heard rumors. That's very much a possibility. So now you focus on the coaching search. And again, Tom Thibodeau is not exactly looking to 
push to do this right away, but if I'm the Knicks, you want to get the coach in there for the full-time coach as soon as possible. For the Mike Miller crowd out there, it's Tom Thibodeau, slightly below him, it's Kenny Atkinson, and then about 10 tiers down, it's Mike Miller. Mike Miller's not getting this job. If Tom Thibodeau and Kenny Atkinson are interested, there's no way Mike Miller gets the job. I, I, there's just no way. It would be extremely ignorant of the Knicks organization and Leon Rose to bring Mike Miller back. It doesn't make any sense. I get that he had some moments this season where the Knicks were playing well and they were motivated and certain guys looked fine. There were many more moments when they didn't look good at all. And it looked very much like it did early in the season during the very bad times under David Fisdale. There's no arguing that. There really is no arguing that. And because of that, you can't keep him. You just can't do it. I think you, you tip your cap to him for putting in a valiant effort with the experience he had under his belt, and you move on. And you got two great options here if they want the job. Tom Thibodeau and Kenny Atkinson are two really nice options to try to get this team back into a playoff hunt in the next year or two. He really, either one of these guys has got a good chance to do that. If they, you know, again, if they can do what they've done in the past, they've got a good chance. And again, it starts in the draft. We'll get to some more draft talk in the second half of the episode. But again, these are two guys that can get the job done. They've shown it before. You know, we'll see what happens. The Knicks, there's more pressure on you. You know, it's a lot more difficult. You can argue there's the stigma of James Dolan. I, again, you know, in my opinion, it's not as big of a deal because then why the hell have the Rangers been so good during these last two decades and the Knicks haven't been good? Same owner. Same owner. So I, I don't always buy that. I really don't. However, regardless, you throw that even out the window. It's New York. It's the Knicks. It matters. There's pressure. So Tom Thibodeau, Kenny Atkinson, whoever gets the job, or if there's a magical third or fourth party that's involved, again, Mike Miller will get interviewed. He'll get his shot. They're going to be under a heck of a lot of pressure right away, as will Leon Rose when the season gets back underway or when the Knicks start getting ready for 2020, 2021, whenever that's going to start. It's going to be really interesting to see. I'd give the, again, I'd give the slight edge to Thibodeau, but I could see Kenny Atkinson doing a really good job with this roster. I'll take a break there. When we come back, we're talking NBA draft. You guys can't get enough of this stuff. And I, I can't get enough of it either. I'll, I'll talk about it till kingdom come, till the draft comes. But for now, we're going to talk about it next. More Knicks guards, potentially, in the future. What are the Knicks going to do in the draft? We'll bring up a few more prospects coming up next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. All right, you guys, I mean, this is your favorite segment over these last couple of weeks. It seems like anytime it comes up, you know, consistently, obviously the last dance, you guys were enjoying the book club and and things like that. But man, you guys can't get enough of the draft stuff. And frankly, it's my favorite thing to talk about other than documentaries about 90s basketball. Uh, so... Here's where, here's where I, I mean, listen, we've done a couple of guys already. We've talked about LaMelo Ball. We've talked about Cole Anthony. And we've talked about Tyrese Halliburton. And, and those are really the guys that the Knicks are going to be looking at with that number six pick, which would be as it stands right now. Again, the Knicks in the lottery could improve that pick. The Knicks also in the lottery could 
go down slightly uh, with that pick as well. Right now, I'm looking at a couple of draft boards right now. All of a sudden, it goes from the Knicks taking Cole Anthony to the Knicks taking Tyrese Halliburton. I've told you why I would put Cole Anthony ahead of Tyrese Halliburton. Um, I think I think Cole Anthony's the total package. He's a New York kid. Tyrese Halliburton's coming off an injury. Uh, to be fair, Cole Anthony is as well, but he, he recovered from it already. Uh, and he played some games with North Carolina coming off of the injury and played really well during the season also. So it's a difficult decision there personally and again the Knicks will look at both guys there's no question about that I would lean towards Cole Anthony I would I like Cole Anthony a lot Tyrese Halliburton's not a bad second option you know what I mean we briefly have talked in the past about Killian Hayes the kid out of France another point guard who's uh same similar build I think he's a little heavier same height as Tyrese Halliburton from what I've seen, again, his shooting needs to come along a little bit, kind of like Halliburton's as well. I think the shooting there is not quite where it needs to be. Knicks have not exactly had great track record with Frank Nilakina, so I don't. I, I'd be a little wary to, to pick Killian Hayes in the draft. Looking down at the end of the first round, that's where we're going to be talking about most of the conversation today. In my opinion, I've said this multiple times on the show. If you nail the first pick, like you, if you, like again, if you get Cole Anthony, or even if you move up and you're looking at Lamelo Ball, or you're looking at maybe even an Anthony Edwards, depending on how the draft turns out, and you get you nail that first pick, you're playing with house money for the rest of the draft, in my opinion. You've just got to make sure you get a stud guard, preferably a point guard, in that first with that first pick in the first round. And then you can have a little bit of fun picking and choosing the talent to fill out your roster. Knicks right now have the 25th pick in the first round as well. There's a number of guys to look at that I want to highlight on the show today. That we ha- Some of them, by the way, who we haven't really dived or dove too much into yet. First guy on my list that we have not touched on really at all. And I'm a little surprised. But I'm not... T- well... I'm surprised that we haven't touched on him because of his talent. I'm not surprised that we haven't touched on him because this guy's been moving all around the draft boards from the beginning. And it's Jameis Ramsey, uh, or Jameis Ramsey, excuse me, from Texas Tech, a freshman combo guard, 6'3", 190, out of Chris Beard's program in the Big 12 Conference. Real quick background on this kid and the team he comes from. What a coach Chris Beard has turned into since he had the job at Arkansas Little Rock uh, not too long ago. By the way, they pulled a 5-12 upset over Purdue a while back, and I think double overtime, triple overtime, you know, it was a crazy game. They won that game. People found out who Chris Beard was. Now he's at Texas Tech, and they were in the national championship game uh, last season with a very star-studded roster, Jared Culver ring any bells. He's now an NBA pro, you know, an NBA player. A lot of other good players on that team as well. They lost all those guys. Ramsey, you know, kind of had to hold the fort down and all of a sudden, you know, they they didn't really drop as far down as people thought they would last season. Ramsey was a big reason why and they they were going to be a tournament team most likely if the NCAA tournament didn't get canceled. So, Chris he comes from a great what Bottom line is, comes from a great coach, a great program that does two things really well. They defend and they work their bleep and bleep off. 
for 40 minutes in the, in those college games. It's incredible. They're one of the hardest working teams in college basketball. They're always tough defensively. They're not going to give in. And you look at Ramsey, his season, and again, right now, from most draft boards, he's got he's going from around 23 to, I think I saw 26, something like that. So take take that what you know take that for what it's worth but i think when you look at his season and listen texas tech you know, might not be a team you watch every week and and that makes sense you know they're not they're not a duke they're not a kentucky they're not a north carolina you know it's they're not going to be that star studded team that you see week in and week out but if you had any opportunities to watch them and this is the tough part right for for Knicks fans Specifically, if you didn't get a chance to watch them because you didn't see the NCAA tournament, you missed out on a chance to see a kid like Ramsey that averaged 15 points a game, four rebounds, two assists, shot 44% from the field as well, and had some pretty good games against some of the best teams in the country. Now, again, he's a one-and-done kid, played 27 games, and Texas Tech was going to make the tournament. They were most likely going to be there, and... There was a, you know, definitely a good chance that they could have made some noise. You never know. The NCAA tournament was wide open. One big stat that I forgot to include, he's also, he also averaged 1.3 steals per game in college as well. He's a stat sheet stuffer. Two, two percentages that I want to bring up that, that are a little... One's good. One's not so good. He's a he's a solid three point shooter, forty two point six percent, and that when I saw that I was a little surprised, but it's you know again he's not he doesn't take a lot of them per game. He takes about five threes per game, makes about two of them. That's pretty much what you'd expect for that percentage. So for the season, sixty of one hundred and forty one threes, decent sample size. The free throws. For a point guard, not good. 64% in college, 50 for 78 from the free throw line. That's a big knock on a point guard. That's got to improve. No question about that. I'd argue his three-point shooting has to slightly improve, but there's something to work on there. I like the rebounds. They're higher than I thought they were going to be. And again, in big games, in Texas Tech, I mean, you're going to be facing some pretty darn tough teams in that Big 12. They, I think the last two games they played were against Kansas and Baylor, who were two two top five teams. And, and he struggled against Kansas. I think there's no question about that. But you look at his games against, his first game against Kansas, he had 26 points. Game against Texas, 18 points, 25 at Iowa State. Really tough place to play, although they struggled towards the end of the season. West Virginia had 21 points as well. I, I just... There's a lot of upside with his scoring, and he's only 18 years old. So he's an interesting prospect for the Knicks to be looking at late in the first round. Second name on my list for late in the first round. And again, for me, if I'm the Knicks, I'm taking two guards in the first round. I would like to them I'd like them to both be uh you know, one a shooting guard or rather one a point guard, that's the top priority, and then one a shooting guard. I wouldn't mind taking two point guards, though. You know, and Devon Dotson, another Big 12 guard, is certainly on my list for late in the first round. He's likely going to be there. Probably, worst case scenario, could be late, or rather early second round. So if the Knicks miss him the first time around, they could get him in the second round as well. 
But he could be a first-round pick. There's no question about that. I mean, Devon Dotson is a kid that was really explosive for Kansas last season. A kid that I think has got a lot of upside. A little bit, uh, you know, the size isn't there. 6'1", 180. But his burst, his quickness, his agility, his ball handling, it's all there. And he played for the number one team in the country last season. So, I mean, this is a kid that was leading that squad for a good portion of the season. A lot of big moments for Kansas last season as well. Again, he took a huge stride from freshman year to sophomore year. Many people thought he would leave after his freshman year, but his freshman year was slightly underwhelming. He only averaged, I think, 12 points per game, and the rest of the numbers weren't really where he expected them to be. So he did what he did the right thing. He decided to, he did the right thing. He came back to school for a second year and he lit the, he lit college basketball on fire. He was one of the best guards in the country last year. 18 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, shot 46% from the field and shot 30% from deep, which to be fair isn't great, but he shot 83% from the line and averaged 2 steals per game last season. He did it all for the Jayhawks. And I mean, just go back through his his games, phenomenal games against the big opponents where he really stepped up and got Kansas some big wins. Kansas lost one game in conference play last season, three overall through 31 games. They were the best team in the country when the season was canceled. There's no question about that. And Devon Dotson was probably their best player. So if you can get a player like that, in this, in late in the first round, coupled with a really strong first pick in the first round, the Knicks would be in great shape. I mean, there's no question about that. I'll give you one more before we move on to that early second round pick. And for me, I look at Trey Jones out of Duke. I, I think he's a kid, another sophomore, had to come back for another year where it didn't really work out his freshman year. And the big thing with, with Trey Jones during his freshman year was he was on a star-studded team with Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, you know, Cam Reddish. They were they were the Fab Five of this generation of college basketball. You know, they, there was the Fab Five. There was the John Wall, you know, Boogie Cousins, Eric Bledsoe, Wildcats from, I think, 2009-2010 at Kentucky. The one and done, the, the first one and done crew, if you will, and then there was Zion, there was RJ, there was Cam, and then there was Trey Jones. They were the they were the newest version of that crazy good freshman team. Trey Jones was very much the fourth wheel on that team. He didn't shoot the ball great for a lot of the season. There were times in the NCAA tournament where teams would let Trey Jones take wide open threes. I mean, just obnoxiously letting him take shots wide open on the perimeter because they knew he was not going to make them. I mean, awful to be in that position as a guard at a program like Duke where that's what that's what their guards are, are known for. That's what his brother, by the way, at Duke was known for. Tyus Jones, phenomenal three-point shooter, especially in college, and he's obviously still making a go of it in the NBA. Trey Jones had to go back and work on that for a second season. And to be fair, Trey Jones was leading a much younger team, a team that was not as talented as the team a season ago. And he improved his three-point shooting percentage drastically. You know, you look at his numbers from his freshman year, and they were nowhere near 
where I I think anyone expected him to be in almost every category. He averaged under 10 points per game. He averaged 26% shooting from three. That's awful. That is terrible. But he comes back. He he almost doubles his points per game. 16.2 points per game this past season. His steals per game holds at 1.8. His assists go up by one per game to 6.4 assists per game. His rebounds go up to 4.2 points per game. His free throw shooting improves by 2%. And he improves his three-point shooting percentage by 10% from a season ago. That's that's phenomenal. Up to 36% shooting the three. I, I mean, that's how you get it done. That's why college can be so important for a player. And Trey Jones goes from probably being a late second-round pick last year to not maybe not getting picked at all to probably be in a first-round pick this year. That's the college system doing its job. Now, it's probably going to change. We don't know. That's a different conversation for a different day. But Trey Jones is ready for the NBA. He's ready to roll, and I think the Knicks should have him on their radar late in the first round, if not early in the second round. We'll wrap it up with a few more guards with this early second-round pick. Three guys that I wanted to point out. And again, we'll we'll be revisiting this throughout the quarantine and, and up until the draft because I know you guys love talking about these kids. I think I've talked about two of these kids before. One I haven't really gone deep into depth on yet, but I, I think that we should go deep into at least uh, a couple of these guys. Knicks at the moment, I believe, have the 38th pick which is their third pick and final pick in the draft. It's technically early second round. It's been moving around a little bit. Um, right now, I saw a couple draft boards have them taking a Juco kid named Jay Scrub. Don't know much about him, uh, to be completely honest with you. Um, he's a 6'6 kid, 220. I don't love it, to be honest. Um, he's an unknown player, though. Mitchell Robinson was relatively unknown, although he was at Western Kentucky, though not for very long because he left the program. But... You know, that doesn't mean he's not talented, is what I'm trying to say. But, there's other talented guys in there that I think the Knicks should have on their radar. First one right on the right off the top is Emmanuel Quickly, another Kentucky kid. 6'4", 185, a point guard. I think that this kid could end up being the steal of the entire draft. I think whoever gets this kid is going to feel really good about it at the end of the day. I think this kid grew immensely under Coach Cal, like many of his guards do. His shooting has improved tremendously over the season. He became an alpha male on a team of alpha males by the end of the season, and he looks NBA-ready. I mean, that's the bottom line. And I think, again, if you come away with Cole Anthony, maybe a shooting guard or a small forward, and then Emmanuel quickly, that's a heck of a haul. For the NBA draft, in my opinion. I think you I think the Knicks would be thrilled to come away with two strong point guards and then whoever the heck they want with that third pick. And if you get a manual quickly, I'd be over the moon. I think he's a phenomenal player, really quick, great shooter now. He's improved tremendously on both ends of the floor. He's what the Knicks need. They need young talent that can score the ball, be solid enough defensively, 
that can give you options on both ends of the floor and a manual quickly can do that. The second option for me is a kid that I briefly have brought up before, and this is again for the for the early second round pick, and that's Malachi Flynn out of San Diego State. Kid's a senior, I'm sorry, pardon me, a junior at San Diego State, a team that barely lost during most of the season. Went away with the San Diego State, won the Mount West regular season, lost the championship game on a late shot uh, by a kid named Sam Merrill for Utah State. Probably the only March Madness moment we got for basketball fans this past season. Um, Malachi Flynn is a phenomenal three-point shooter. I, I, as someone who loves college basketball, I've, I, when I had time and I was able to stay up late and watch West Coast games, that's something that college basketball, you know, one of the one of the knocks on college basketball is nobody knows how good the West Coast conference, what the West Coast teams are in general, because no one stays up and watch the games. You know, no one knows how good the Pac-12 is, although they're not always good recently. Well, this past year they were good. Because nobody stays up and watches. The team that I was constantly staying up to watch, because we know, you know, if, if you follow college basketball, you know Gonzaga's going to be good every year. You know, there's going to be three or four good teams from the Pac-12 every year. This year the the best team was Oregon. And you know there's going to be maybe one other good team that no one's talking about out West. And that team was San Diego State this year. I, stay, I can't tell you how many times I stayed up till 1 a.m. watching San Diego State play this year. And the only kid that stood out when when I thought when I thought NBA player was Malachi Flynn and stud shooter can get to the bucket reads the game extremely well defensively really strong stronger than I thought he was going to be and that's what made that San Diego State team this past season so good defensively they were phenomenal they were really one of the probably one of the best teams in the country defensively I don't have the stats in front of me, but if I remember correctly, they were right there in a lot of those categories. And Malachi Flynn was a big reason why that was the case. A little undersized, 6'2", 175, but when he when he lacks in size, he makes up for in shooting stroke, mobility and athleticism with the basketball in his hands, his handles, and his ability to defend both guard positions. So I, I'm excited to see what's going to happen with him. I, I, to be honest with you, he doesn't f- perfectly fit what the Knicks need, if I'm being honest, but he's a good option early in the second round if the Knicks lose out on some of those other guys on their board. Malachi Flynn could be an option for the Knicks. There's a third guy I want to bring up. He's a little bit different than... Uh, than who I've been talking about before because he plays a totally different position. I can actually play both wing positions. And it's a kid named Tyler Bay from Colorado, a junior, 6'7", 215. can play the small or the power forward position. I have a soft spot for this kid because as somebody who has a College Hoops podcast and covers college basketball, you always look for a team that nobody's watching. And... You know, try to pick up, pick up on them and see how good they could possibly be and project to the future. Two years ago, when this kid was a freshman, they were the team I thought in a couple of years was going to be really good. And that turned out to be the case. Now, I'm not saying I'm saying that the Knicks should take him because I'm right. I'm saying the Knicks should take him because this kid's freaking good. He's a good player and he's going to be an NBA player for a while, I think, if things work out 
in his favor. Tyler Bay is his name, and I just think that the Knicks would would really would really love having this kid on their roster. He's an extremely hard worker, can rebound the basketball at a high level, and and I think this kind of got lost in the shuffle with not only Tyler Bay specifically, but with Colorado as a, as a program. Not only could this kid, listen, I think he had 14 points a game, 9 rebounds a game, and, and he's a 53% field, uh, field goal percentage. This kid can shoot the rock from deep. He's a 42% three-point shooter. And it was just something that that, that, that they just never, these, it, I think it was just one of those things where you just don't see the team enough and people just never gave Colorado the credit that they deserved and it was just one of those things where nobody gave Colorado the love that they warranted and Tyler Bay gets lost in that shuffle listen McKinley Wright is a phenomenal player point guard from Colorado but Tyler Bay is the better NBA prospect I mean there's no question about that in my mind kid averaged over a block per game a steal and a half per game an assist and a half per game 14 and 9 basically 74% 74% free throw shooter, which was impressive as well, though that was down from a season ago. And his three-point shooting, he, this was a kid that did not make a three-point shot in 32 games as a freshman. Didn't make a three-point shot as a freshman. His sophomore year, he made 22% of his three-point shots. And then as a junior, that sophomore to junior jump, it's something something special to watch in college basketball. That's normally the two years where you see the most progress 42 percent three points you went up 20 points percentage wise on his three point shots tyler bay i'm telling you he's from vegas this is a kid that could be really really good i'm I'm just i'm throwing that out there right now he's a he's a for me he's a sleeper pick in the second round i think he can develop into a really good nba player and i think not enough people are paying this kid enough attention to be honest with you i don't think the knicks will take him but he'll be right there for them i'm telling you he's gonna be right in that range between probably 35 and 40 where the knicks are going to be and i I think the knicks should definitely have him on their radar and i've mentioned a couple other sleeper guards peyton pritchard marcus howard cassius winston and miles powell certainly other guards that the knicks should consider late in the second round that's going to be it for the show this week let me know what you guys think about where the knicks are in the draft let me know what you guys think the knicks are with the coaching search are you team thibodeau are you team atkinson or are you holding on for dear life to what we've already got with mike miller let me know in the comments below on posting and or at sj7 on twitter thank you as always for listening and i will see you guys next week on the Shock Shock Dicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.